Welcome to the 51st episode of the Game 4 podcast. In this episode, still recording from home, we'll talk about whether true randomness is bad for tabletop games. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. And this is the Game 4 podcast. Game 4 is a platform to help connect tabletop gamers and to help you get more out of your tabletop gaming. Matt and I are part of a software development and design company called MilkCan. And because most of the folks at MilkCan love tabletop games, we developed the Game 4 app and launched it in early 2018. We launched this companion podcast in June of 2019 to help tabletop gamers get more enjoyment out of their hobby. Due to the COVID-19 global pandemic, we hibernated the Game 4 app in July of 2020 and plan to bring back a retooled version of the app for Android, iOS, and web when gaming in person is safer. Until then, we'll keep bringing you this podcast to help you get more out of your tabletop gaming. So what have you been doing lately, Matt? What uh, Since the last couple of weeks, what uh, kind of tabletop gaming yeah. shenanigans? Yeah, I, 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 every two weeks I'm like, oh, you know, next two weeks I'm going to have a lot to do. And then like the two weeks comes and goes and I'm like, man, I lost two weeks of hobby. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But but I was able to sneak some in last night. Um, so I started assembly on uh, one of my new kill teams. Um, nice. a, I'm doing uh, Gene Steeler cults. Uh, nice. Cultists. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so started them last night. Um, really cool models. Little, I like I like them. A lot of little bald dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of little fun faces and mm-hmm. lots of good detail. But they uh, going from those from Blood Bowl. I I'm starting to not feel like I don't know how to put uh, pieces of plastic together again. So um, that was nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they are. Yeah, they are a little bit easier, and they're also well, they're less monopose. They're a little bit more right. poseable, you know what I mean? And that can sometimes yeah. help. Some people find that a, a, a problem, but I think that it it is sometimes a little bit easier because you're not just pushing together like posts into like holes and stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's a little bit different. But. Yeah, well, and they, yeah, and where the pieces go, I'm like, okay, well, that's going to go on the arm and this is going to, yeah. I think the only thing that was kind of hard was like figuring out like the one of the instructions that was like, it didn't kind of, it was like, oh, it basically started on like step you know, five, but mm-hmm. then, but but steps one through four were like two pages forward. So like Weird. I kept going backwards and like, where is this? And I'm like, oh no, they're showing me all the options I can do with this. And now it's going to give me the instructions to get back to it. Cause I, yeah, it confused me, but yeah, the, it, the icons that they have in the instruction manuals to show you like, oh, this is a, a customizable and you can choose what you want here, or this is a thing you shouldn't glue or this actually the, right. the thing you shouldn't glue icon makes a lot of sense, but a bunch of the other icons that they use on those things don't make a ton of sense. You're like, okay, no, yeah, it's like a little weird shields. shield and I don't know what that, yeah, the three yeah. shields I think is the one where you get to choose what part right. you want to put on there. That's the options. But, yeah, it's a little weird. Once, yeah, once you figure out it was fine, but it was just weird because it was like they're like showing it and they're like, but the guy's like standing there with no arms, and I'm like, well, how did you get that? I don't see that piece. <laughs> like, well, how did? He and then I'm like, oh, no th- so I was started. So I just started like looking at the piece that they were showing and started putting it together, and then I'm like, you know, just from you know comparing it to the sprues, and then I'm like, yeah. you know. As I got further, I'm like, oh, here it is on this next page. I'm like, oh, that was bad. I do wonder sometimes how well Games Workshop play tests their their building instructions, which sounds stupid yeah. to say it that way because you're not actually play testing it. But you know what I mean? Like, right. here, here, like give these building instructions to a relatively new modeler and then give them the model and then take notes. And when they go, I don't know what this does and I'm not sure how I got to this part, you know, that kind of stuff yeah. that may help. But I don't know if they do that. Kind yeah, because I. 
Because, yeah, they are definitely not at the Lego level, where Lego is just like... Oh, <laughs> well, sure, that's true, that's true. The only thing I, I don't like about Lego is their black pieces look too gray. So if you have, mm. like, the Star Wars, you have, like, the light gray, the dark gray, and the black. And, like, side by side, you can kind of tell the difference, but they'll just, like, have a page, and you're like, I don't know what pieces says. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That probably actually goes back to the conversation you and I were having just before mm. we started recording about dot gain. You know what I yeah. mean? Like the gray and the dark and the light gray and the and the black probably like they looked great on the computer screen when the person laid out the the instructions and stuff. But when you print it, then the dark gray gets real dark gray, which then it could be black, but it's hard to tell. And yeah, right. That's kind of the way that stuff works. You don't want the black to be too black because then you lose all the edge. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. 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 Yep. But yeah, doing that, and then I've got a large print that I've been trying to print for the last few days, and I am. Wasting a lot of resin. Let's just, let's just say that. Like oh, yeah. It's it's uh, it's probably uh, yeah. It's it's a good vat fill to print this thing up, and it's one of the models that the that the uh, designer gave like pre supported. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the times, like they know how to do it, and they've printed it, and you know, with all their tests, and mm-hmm. so I usually can just go, okay, it's pre supported. I'm just going to take it, but yeah, it's. It's not working. Um, is it separating from the build head as it's uh, in the process, or is it just all yeah, of a sudden well, yeah, stopping well, in certain spots? Uh, there's a couple like like appendages. Like this has like a tail. The first time the tail um, part of the tail didn't stay attended to, so there was a little piece of the tail that was flat. And all, you know the the model is like two fists big, so it's mm-hmm. he's got weight. Yeah. Uh, so to only have like that little defect, it was like oh whatever. Okay, I'm gonna print him again. And this time I'm like, oh, he came out perfect because I added more support to the tail. And for some reason, the left arm, uh, like, didn't print like a gap in between, like halfway through the middle. So like his elbow was not there. Hmm. It just like, stuck the part. Take, can you take the elbow off of the first guy and then glue it to the second guy? I could. Um, I'm just yeah. probably it's for a customer, so I'm gonna print it that way. But uh, oh, I've yeah, got yeah. the two pieces cured for myself, so. I'll probably do it for myself because it's mm-hmm. actually a pretty cool sculpt. But yeah, it's just been like is that, and then like they had like a base, like that huge base. Um, I would say it was uh, like I'm trying to think of like size wise, probably like ten centimeters wide. Okay, so that's like, about a, two and, like and a half inches. Your, yeah, if you take your thumb, thumb and like index fingers and kind of make a circle, like. Yeah, that it's a good size mm-hmm. base, really cool looking, and they had like one version was like solid, and then they had another one was like pre hollowed with holes and stuff. I'm like, oh, cool, you know, less resin and yeah, yeah. you know, it'll weigh less and stuff like that. Easier so to cure, and... yeah. So I printed that, came out good. I'm like, perfect. Um, and I don't know if they never tried it out themselves, but um, after about a uh. I would say like a day, the whole bottom part became like super wavy because it wasn't thick enough. And the way they put the holes, it kind of just malformed on me. Oh, so and then trying like after to, curing like, and stuff like that. Yeah, and like the, the actual base was fine, but the, yeah, the bottom part. And when I tried playing around with it um, to flatten it, it wanted to crack everything. So yeah, so now I'm printing the solid base. <laughs> Oh yeah. So it's just been one mm-hmm. of those like, oh, okay, well, 
learning, learning, learning. Like, you yeah. know, everything looks fine. It was, it's just, it's been mostly my print setup or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not yet that's, set that's up my, uh, I've not quite set up my, I've not yet set up my Saturn yet. I've been, you've got like on this people all over the world to, just to be like, oh, I know, I know it. it's here. It's here, but I, I gotta, I gotta get the time. And it's been, uh, I've been working on this other, this secret project, which has mm. hit a bit of a milestone and I don't have to work on it quite as hard right now. So that's cool. Yay. Um, but yeah, but I still hope to be able to share it potentially even this month, hopefully. Uh, if not, mm-hmm. it'll be early June. But yeah, looking forward to it. Nice. Um, otherwise, uh, yeah. yeah, I finished uh, painting those um, skeletons uh, from the Warhammer Quest Cursed City box. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were 10 skeletons in there. I painted uh, all 10 of them. And uh, I painted them all on Twitch. So uh, people were able to kind of watch as I was working on that. Um, I even made a video this last week about the process that I used to paint them, like the quick and easy process on how I used to paint them. Nearly mm-hmm. 27 people seemed to watch that video. So that was, that was helpful. It's, it, it, it didn't get good views. It's just one of those things where tutorials don't get good views right off the bat. They usually right. get decent views over time, but they have like lousy velocity. Um, right. so I was just so, like a bit disheartened after the amount of time I spent on it. And then I'm just like, Ugh, you know, cause people basically are like, oh yeah, he's talking about how to paint skeletons. I'm not painting skeletons right now. So I'll watch it some other time, I guess, right. which I get. Yeah. I, I, I do it. I save that. I save woodworking ones like that. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, every once in a while, I'll, I'll, you know, I might watch it at the beginning, but a lot of times, yeah, I'll be like, oh, cool. Yeah. I was thinking about doing that. I'm going to have to make sure I remember this and watch it later. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, the, 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 it, like every video that I've done recently has done way better than that one, but it's fine. Um, but then after, uh, basically in the process of getting that video done, I also shot a bunch of fun photos of the skeletons to use in the video and also like in the thumbnail and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You had those like really cool shadows, like in the background. Did you, was that added later or did you like, nope, how did that's, that's all in camera. So those tree shadows and all that kind of stuff in the background, yeah. those those are the um, uh, Monster Fight Club trees, uh-huh. like without, without the leaves on them. So okay. I'm what I'm doing is I'm I'm setting up. I've got my um, I'm in the uh, at at my studio, the room that I use for bat wraps. Well, obviously mm-hmm. haven't done any bat wraps in a year because COVID. So I've been basically just using that area as photo studio. So I set up pieces of terrain and all that stuff, and then I set up those trees like kind of in the background. And then I have this huge, one of those pop-up backdrop things, you know, like where where you can fold mm-hmm. it down real small to put it in a bag and then it goes boing and pops out, you know? Yep. Uh, and it's like five foot by seven foot, I think. And it is black okay. on one side and white on the other. And so I've been using that a bunch. I either use the white side and then I have this LED tube light that's probably four feet long and you can pick nearly like any color that's available. And then that way I can shine a light up on it, make it red or orange or green or blue or purple or whatever, or just white, which is what I did there. And then, so I'm I'm lighting up that background and you're seeing that Mm -hmm. white background and then there's the trees, but they look all blurry and shadowy and stuff like that because of shallow depth of field. And then the lights that are falling on the skeletons, I'm also using a black piece of foam core so that light doesn't hit those trees. And then that's why they look like silhouettes. Uh-huh. So it's kind of from above. So it takes a bunch of work to get those shots, but yeah, they're basically all in camera. All I do as far as in Photoshop and stuff like that is very frequently I have to Photoshop out a hair 
because there's always a hair stuck to my miniatures somewhere, no matter what I do. So, um, and they don't show up until you look at them on photos. Um, so I do that. And I also tweak, you know, a little bit here and there as far as like, uh, contrast and, you know, light balance and, sure. and, you know, just the normal kind of like light room right, right. kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't, I, I haven't added anything in. I did some pictures a month ago or so of some of the demons that I worked on. And in those, I actually Photoshopped in a sky. Like I had like mm-hmm. a green, you know, glow from my big backdrop. And then I just basically kind of Photoshopped in some clouds and stuff like that to make it look cool. But usually I don't do that. So, okay. but yeah, it was fun. Um, uh, but yeah, and then speaking of Curse City, I have started painting. There's four heroes that I built from the group of, I think, a total eight heroes in that game. And then one of the bad guy kind of like heroes, for lack of a better term, bad guy leaders. That maybe makes more sense. And he's the skeleton watch captain. So he's basically the boss of the skeletons. So him and then four other heroes. Uh, I am currently working on those on Twitch as well. Uh, I started last week on them and I've gotten a little bit far along. So that's not too bad. So that's fun. When those guys are done, then I'm not sure what my next project is going to be on Twitch. I've got some ideas though. Um, gosh, what else have I done? Well, I built some, I bought some metal models a couple of months back from a company called Eureka miniatures. And they are basically soldiers in what's called mop gear, M O P P. And it's basically like, um, it's like uh, like a suit that keeps out, you know, chemicals and biological. It's not full. What is that called when like the guys come and they have the full suits with the hoods and all that stuff? I keep wanting to say HVAC, but I know that's not right. Oh, um, I can't think of it now. Hazardous, yeah, the, hazard, the uh, hazmat, oh, hazmat. Uh, There's hazmat. the word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're not quite like hazmats exactly, but they're kind of like that way. They're basically soldiers. And it's kind of a, I think that mop suits might be like, I don't know if it's a Soviet thing or what, but some of the guys are carrying AKs and some of them are carrying what look like maybe M16s or M4s or something like that. And mm-hmm. um, they're just got a bunch of different ones. And I'm going to be using them for Zona Alpha. So um, the whole concept of Zona Alpha is you're going into this exclusion zone to try to get cool alien treasures out of there without getting, you know, poisoned or turned inside out or killed by leftover alien technologies that are not good. And um, so, yeah, I want to just have like a cool war band of like just random dudes who are all trying to like wear enough, you know, hazmat type equipment. And um, so I started, anyway, I started gluing them to bases because uh, being older metal models, they have like an integrated kind of like little oval like base. You know what I mean? You've seen models okay, like that yep. before where there's like already mm-hmm. kind of like a weird little oval bump base like stuck to their feet. And I kind of hate that because I like to always model my folks, especially for Zona Alpha. I want them to look like they're standing on asphalt. So if there's just like a big weird bump in the middle of the asphalt, it seems weird. So I have to clip it mm-hmm. all away and then sand it down and then glue it. And sometimes I have to pin their feet if their feet are real close together and all that kind of stuff. So it's not a quick job uh, to put those guys onto bases. And I'm only going to do maybe six or so. So um but yeah, so I've been doing that a little bit in between here and there. And then I, this is not exactly like hobby work, but it's going to lead to hobby work. <laughs> but I okay. ordered, uh, <laughs> I ordered a bunch of bits from this company over in Poland called Puppets War. They make all kinds okay. of, they make models as well, but they mainly have always been known for making like bits. Like if you want to customize your space Marines, they make different helmets and different this and different that, you know, if you want to customize your such and such, they make all kinds of crazy okay. stuff. Yeah. So I ordered a bunch of different heads and some different types of guns and all kinds of stuff like that because I want to kit bash together 
a bunch of cool models for Stargrave mainly, um, which is the new sci-fi skirmish game from Osprey. Uh, is that out Osprey or is games. it still coming? It's out now. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know about maybe in stores, but I, on the Stargrave group that I'm uh, on on Facebook, there's a lot of people taking pictures of the, I got the book in the mail finally kind of situation, you know. Um, mm. I've had it since February, <laughs> maybe March. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, they shipped me a copy early, but you could also get it as a PDF too. Uh, you can buy it as a PDF from uh, wargamevault.com. Um so uh, if you want to, you can get it as a PDF if you're not interested in having the book or whatever. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, I can also use those same kind of characters as well for other games like Star Breach and Planet 28 and other sci-fi stuff too. So mm-hmm. um, I'm looking forward to doing a bunch of kit bashing with them. Maybe make some videos out of it. Uh, maybe just do some Twitch content. Hard to say. But yeah, that's pretty much about it hobby-wise. Like I said, still haven't quite gotten the uh, printer set up. Um, I also need to find a little place to set up my Proxon, which is the, um, fancy schmancy, um, styrofoam cutter thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Kind of, yeah. And, and so hot wire type. Yeah. But it's like, instead of the hand, instead of the handheld kind, it's like a tabletop version. So instead of like, I move the hot wire cutter through the foam, you it's almost like a table saw, but with a hot wire instead of a saw. And then you can push yeah. the foam through. So you, and there's like a fence, like you'd have in a, in a table saw. So you can cut straight. So if you want to cut little bricks and things like that and do all kinds of junk like that. Mm. Um, and so it's all ready to go. I bought a, a fence from a company online called mm, shiftinglands.com. That might be, I think what they are, but it's okay. made it a laser cut MDF. And then it's a much fancier, um, fence than the little tiny one that they send you uh, from Proxon or that comes with it. And so you built that out of LaserCut MDF and I've done that. And so I'm already, I just need to find the right space to put it in the basement uh, so I can do it. So like I said, Secret Project has been keeping me real busy the last month. So um, I'm slightly less busy now. So that's good. Um, Got a break. So yeah, I think that's pretty much my hobby in a nutshell. And um nice i don't know it's kind of it's kind of random isn't it like that was just sort of <laughs> i was uh, thinking about see? all the different segues we could use <laughs> right yeah no exactly exactly so i just picked one at random <laughs> mm. so yeah i think that um like so today's topic is well i mean there are a lot of people with different ideas about it i'll be honest um mm-hmm. and that's fine it's i don't want to say controversial Though maybe a touch. Yeah, it's probably like, you know, yeah, we're not going to have, you know, big fights being. No, we're not going to have a big hot take out of it, but it is definitely something that people do, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say argue about, but they do disagree to some degree. And that is randomness Mm -hmm. in tabletop games. And I don't know if it's a situation of it being the, the, um, what's the opposite to the silent majority? The vocal minority, that's the term I'm looking for. I don't know if it's a vocal minority situation, but generally in a lot of situations, it seems at least to me that people believe that randomness in tabletop games is bad or cheesy or something like that. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. I I think it's... Well, anyway, we'll get into it. It does definitely seem to be a personal preference thing, 
But like I said, it right. does seem like one group is the people that think that randomness is dumb is are maybe a little bit louder about that than the people who are totally fine with it. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to kind of go over it and try to figure it out. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to call them out. No, we're not going to call them out. <laughs> no, we're just no. going to talk about randomness. Um, so yeah, yeah. so what is randomness? Um, so basically, like when we're talking about randomness in tabletop games, we're not talking about, you know, like, uh, hey, why is Sonic the Hedgehog in my D&D? No, we're talking about like... That would be random, you know, yeah. The, right. Like the spinner or dice, you know, using used to simulate, you know, random outcomes. So like and there's you know there's lots of different things. Dice are probably the most normal, right? right. Coins we flips, see the most. Yeah, like the spinner there, thing, yeah. like a little arrow that you flick and it's on a little axle and spins around. Then you mm-hmm. know to put the left foot in the green and the right hand in the blue and that kind of stuff. Shuffling, sure. Shuffling cards Shuffling is also randomness. now randomness in well, it's interesting. Like different games handle it differently. Certainly true. Like mm-hmm. when you throw dice, you don't know what you're going to get. Obviously, that's part of the randomness, right. but you also could get anything. Whereas with cards, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to get, but you know how many there are. You know what I mean? Uh, well, but like it's, it, it's kind of the same with dice. Like if you throw two dice, you know you're going to get a number between two and 12. No, I know, but you don't know how many times. Like in in a, in a, okay, and this is, this goes to Malifaux specifically. Okay. Yep. Like I, with okay. dice. I can keep throwing dice and I will constantly like throw a D20 and I'll get who knows what and it'll just keep throwing constantly random. If I'm playing a game like Malifaux, I have a deck of cards, like a normal poker style deck of cards. And right. so I know there's only four uh, the kings in there, right? Whereas a, uh, on a D20, there could be an infinite number of 20s as you keep rolling. Right. But so yes, yeah, like so it's so, a ran- yeah. one-time random event versus random every time you throw the dice. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is what's kind of interesting. And uh, I, I think that uh, the different designers seem to be kind of taking that into different directions. Right. So, yeah. But those are kind of the different like physical aspects to randomness that mm-hmm. get used in some fashion in game. I mean, obviously, there's also potential for apps that can do some sort of random number generation and all kinds of different things. Right. Um, so, yeah. Right. Yeah. And you could have the entire game be completely random. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can, you know, like if you think of like how like uh, like a slot machine, every time you spin, it's going to be random. Yes, I know that there's things that kind of tweak the randomness, but you know, for the most part, slots are random to the average person. Um, Then you can have like semi-random with strategy, where um, strategy can take your randomness and hopefully give you an advantage on it, Um, Mm -hmm, such mm -hmm. as like poker or blackjack. Um, Sure. You know, and blackjack, they try to add more decks so that it's harder for you to understand the strategy and basically give you more random options you know now instead of only being four kings now you might have 24 kings or yeah know, 28 kings in there like do you think anybody plays blackjack with just one deck uh not for money i would think yeah, um no, that's a good point. there might be i think that last time i was in vegas like some of the like the older casinos that would have like the like they would offer like you know cheap like one dollar single deck blackjack hmm. and stuff like that you know, so I think it's just more they of a assume you're going to count cards at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I can and see. Then, and again, know, and that does can... reduce the amount of randomness, and so maybe exactly, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and then there's games. You know, like if you take chess, chess has absolutely no randomness at all. 
Right, exactly. And that's probably one of the classic, uh, you know, examples in those sort of situations, uh, chess, go, uh, you know, stuff like that. And, and that is seen as being, you know, you know, this is, well, this, you know, it's one of the most competitive games out there. Right. Obviously. Right. Um, it's the epitome of being, being like the, the strategist, you know, a good strategy player can do exactly. good at chess and, you know, if you can do good chess, then sometimes people go, oh, well, you must be really smart because you're able to do that. Exactly. Exactly. Did you ever watch the um, Queen's Gambit? Yeah, that was really good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I like that. But in that situation, it's all about like being able to see, you know, it's 12 turns in advance, 15 turns right. in advance. So if they do this, then I do this and then they're going to do it's, this. And then yeah, I'm gonna do that. patterns yeah. and pattern recognition and, and, and mechanics and understanding and yep. But within the types of tabletop games that we sort of dig, uh, mm-hmm. that's sort of dull. You know what I mean? Like if, you know, like, and that's the thing. In, in, in chess, it also hasn't changed in a long time. And it's mm-hmm. pretty much you have, you know, just the two forces and you have basically the pieces you've got. And that's about it. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with chess. Obviously, it's it's very well liked the world over. I'm sure far more chess boards are sold every year than, you know, um, Settlers of Catan or, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. But that all being said is that when people want a little bit more interest to their games, whether it's they want more of a story hook, you know, then mm-hmm. it's difficult, I think, to make a story-based game that is also like chess and has literally no randomness to it. Um, if you also want to start adding all kinds of extra factions, let's say you're getting into the more of the tabletop wargaming miniatures and stuff like that, you want to have like mm-hmm. 17 different factions in your game. Well, then chess isn't going to exactly work either. So, because you know everything is very samey kind of in chess. You know, all, the pawns work the same on both sides. The rooks work the, work the same on both sides. Right. Yes, yeah, so it's a very stuff, symmetrical you know? game. Yeah, asymmetrical exactly. would would be tough to do. Would be tough. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, can some things be more random than others? Like we kind of talked a little bit about the difference between like the poker deck and the the you know the the dice and things like that. But even within dice, certain dice can be more random than others, and this can be right, done in a couple of different ways. That's why I have dice I won't use to roll, you know, in D D because in my head they're they're not equal. But no, but in, in right, reality, yeah. though, well, as you use as you use a dice or even uh, defects in making the nice dice mm-hmm. can make it so that they are more biased towards different numbers. So the the long and short of it is with dice is that every single die that you look at is generally got rounded corners, right? Mm-hmm. So all the edges are rounded. They didn't get molded that way. What happens is when they come out of the mold, they have sharp corners. And then they take those dice and they put them into basically something like a rock tumbler. Mm-hmm. And then that rock tumbler tumbles them and tumbles them and tumbles them and tumbles them. And that's how the corners get smoothed down. During that process, that's where the defects can sometimes get brought in on the dice. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, those dice can become slightly off balanced. So they have a possible over a long period of time, over a lot of different rolls, they have a potential to roll one number more than others. Right. Because the Which weight is differential like- has changed. Why, like, you know, because we talked about casinos earlier. Yeah, casinos mm-hmm. will spend a Casino lot of dice. money on craps dice. Yeah. Or, right. So. And they are sharp corners because they don't go through a roll, through a, 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 a basically like, a, like I said, a rock tumbler. Right. There's they, a, a, ba- they make sure that they balance and they spin them. They make sure that mm-hmm. they, all the pips 
you know, the weight taken out of one side is balanced on the other side. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's very important for randomness uh, to scale. And especially when you're talking about huge amounts of money at stake it, to make sure that that's the case. And with, amongst normal rounded dice, yeah, I've got friends who are like, this is the die that I roll when I need to do this. And this is the die. And they've and it's just because they've been using it for so long, they just know that it has a tendency to hit high numbers versus low numbers or whatever the deal is. And you said you've got dice like that too, that you're like, well, I, these dice don't get used for this because I know what they're going to do a little bit better. Right. And that's the case. There's a company out there called Game Science. It's been around for, oh gosh, I don't know, 50 years maybe. And mm-hmm. what they do is they basically sell the polyhedral dice that we see in you know your, your role-playing games, your D20s, your D12s, all that stuff. But they don't, um, they don't tumble them. So they have sharp corners. Mm-hmm. And like I remember being at Gen Con and walking by their booth and they would have a stack of, I think it was 20 of their 20-siders. And they would stack them up next to each other. And then they would take another stack of their 20-siders and then stack them up next to each other. And they would be exactly the same height. They would have them on this piece, like this background. It was like a graph paper kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then they would have equal stacks of dice from other companies, Chessex and Kaplow and all those different companies stacked up next to each other. And the stacks would never be the same height. So you'd Mm -hmm. have... 20 20 ciders uh, in a stack from Chessex next to another stack of 20 20 ciders from Chessex, and they would be off a quarter of an inch sometimes, you know what I mean? Over the mm-hmm. over a stack of 20. And so that was like their kind of like, this is why our dice are better because they're more random. So it's interesting kind of to look at it that way. I, I think that, you know, people have a very interesting kind of relationship with dice. And so the idea of whether they're really, really, really random or no, I think this, this dice really good when I need to roll twenties or, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, uh, it, there's something to it, I think. But even beyond that, there's also just the simple math of dice as well. If I roll right. one die in theory, let's say it's a D six, I have a 16% chance roughly to get any one of the numbers on that die. Mm-hmm. But if I roll 2d6 and add them together, right. then it's a little different. And that's the thing that designers look at is that, sure, if I roll one die, it could be one of any you know six possible chances. But when you start rolling multiple dice together and adding it, then numbers come up, number combinations come out that are more frequent than others. Right. Yeah, that's when you get the famous bell curve. Of- exactly. Like in 2d6 situations, seven is the most likely number combination mm-hmm. that you will get if you roll two dice because you'll get seven on a one and a six. You'll get seven on a six and a one. You'll get it on a four and a three. You'll get it on a three and a four. And you'll get it on a two and a five. And you'll get it on a five and a two. So there's right. just more ways to add up to seven when you roll 2d6 than there is to get any other number. The hardest mm-hmm. number combinations to get are the two, which is basically two ones, or the 12, which is two sixes yep so that that's you know when you start to see people like you know when you're starting to say okay well i'm going to start rolling these dice well there's the way it works is because of that kind of you know the reason you use multiple dice is because you want to make it so like maybe if you want something to be you know my target number that i'm trying to reach to get this success is seven on 2d6 okay well that's standard then right you know that's kind of in the middle Whereas if you decide, well, maybe it's going to be nine, you know, okay, well, that's a little bit higher. That's a little bit above average and that kind of stuff. Whereas if you just say, well, it's going to be this, like you have to get a four up on, you know, 2d6 on one, one yeah, four up on one die. Yeah. Then it's a different story, but still, you know, and then you start getting into bigger dice like twenties. 
a D20, uh, some people don't like using D20s. I know at least in miniature games, they don't like the D20s because they feel they can be way more swingy. That's the technical right. Term. Yeah, they even have ones that are, uh, I've seen now that are kind of biased dice that are, um, rather than having the numbers 1 through 20, are more um, bell curves distributed on it. Um, so it has like maybe 1, 1, 120, and then like, three seventeens or you know something like that or which is weird you know at that point in my yeah mind, i didn't i, I, I would go I to one. just t- 2d6 yeah. but yeah no i've seen that's the thing is if you if there's a die out there that you can think of in your head there's probably somebody who's already made it you know right I mean? yeah there's three-sided dice there's one-sided dice which i no there isn't one-sided dice I made a sticker that uh, for my old uh, the old ter- uh, the old convention that I used to run, which was the which was called Ashkan, and uh, mm-hmm. the sticker uh, it was square, and I called it a one sided die because you, you once you stuck it down, it was that's it was just the one side. So yeah, it was the nice. official uh, Ashkan one sided die sticker, and it was just a square sticker with like a single pip in the middle. Um, but in general, yeah, not so much with the one sided. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting to kind of see that and. The concept, it means, like I said, you know, that when you're using basically a 20-sider, you've got a 5% chance to land on any particular thing because it's, you know, 5 divided by 20 or 100 divided by 20 gets you 5. So it's a 5% chance. So in that situation, then, you know, again, and it depends completely on the game designers and what they're trying to get across, you know? Right. And that's that's the kind of uh, the interesting thing about deciding on how you're going to do it. I'm going to do it with two d six. I'm going to do it with twenty. I'm going to do it with four d four. I'm going to do it with a deck of cards, like we talked about before, with like Malifaux right. and stuff like that, and all those types of things. And a lot of it is because, well, it's partially because of the perception of randomness. Yeah, that's the funny thing is that total randomness is really hard for people to to understand. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you say pick a number between 1 and 10, you know, almost everybody's going to pick 3 or 7. Like, now, is that tell, like a scientific thing or is that Yeah, it's just kind of uh there's more of a psychology thing, you know. Interesting. You know, most of the time 3s and 7s come out. Like if you told someone to pick a number between like 1 and a million mm-hmm. and I told you um 1000 people are going to go well that's not as random as my number my na- my number is uh 4862 you know like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um there's actually like that's sometimes how they can tell um detect like counterfeiting um and like of uh, like uh people breaking into data or or, or like uh, counting um, mm-hmm. if that people are making up uh, their book numbers and stuff is there's a formula for how random the numbers should really look when you're adding up like in your book versus mm-hmm. what numbers people would normally like they're you know it's like the amount of ones if people are like randomly picking out their numbers to try to make it you know to kind of fudge their to make books, it seem random yeah to seem random the one i think like ones come out more often than they should and there's a whole formula that like uh auditors uh can uh look at to kind of determine that you know whether stuff is legit or not because so this is all stuff people, that comes from your like people, your like security work in 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 like um computer security and stuff like that yeah right? to some degree yeah, yeah yeah no it's interesting i did not know that about the psychology but i guess it makes sense you know i mean you, you know we're all to some degree kind of working off of the same overall uh, 
life experiences kind of, you know what I mean? At a very right. base level, obviously everybody's got different thoughts about different things, but yeah, that's, that's very interesting. Right. Like, so like if you were like, uh, you know, say you're playing, you know, playing D and D, uh, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden like you fight a battle, say like 10 rounds go through and one character rolls a 20 every single time. If that happened and they're rolling an actual die, you know, everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, that was just insane. That was crazy. Now, yeah, if you yeah. took that same result and it was on like, say, roll 20 or critical roll or any, any like online thing where there, it's like a computer that did it, mm-hmm. every, rather than saying that was epic, everybody's going to go, yeah, their num- random number generator isn't very good. Sure. Because yet, like seeing, that's- seeing outliers to us seems like it's not good randomness, even though outliers exist, you know, in anything. Well, that's the thing. Like, if anything, I would think that using a computer-generated random randomizer, especially when you're doing it over time during the course of a game, you would almost never see something like that because of the way that online, like, computer randomizing is very frequently done. Like, computer randomizing, computers kind of can't really do random, right? Like, they have to, like, base it off of a seed, which is frequently taken from a time clock, you know. Yeah, traditionally, computers have a very hard time coming with randomness. Um, Mm -hmm. I know when, like, online poker first started, um, one of the companies, like, that uh, touted that they had the most um, natural randomness to all their card Mm -hmm. shuffling, they had, I think it was, like, something like 50 lava lamps. I've heard up. about that. I was just going to talk it, about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it took basically like, uh, it, it took a picture, digital picture, and mm-hmm. then basically did it as a one or a zero based for on like whether the different quadrants or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. For if there was lava yeah. and, and stuff like that. And then it took that to make the numbers to seed it. So it randomly seeded the number every time. Yeah. Cause like in the early days of programming, they just basically went to like the, the clock in the computer and they're like, okay, well that's the seed. We'll do a random generation based off of it. And the random generation is not that random. And so people could sort of almost in very, very slight situa- situations start to kind of figure out how to, how to pick the random number that the computer was going to pick. But you, when you yeah, are, you can determine biasness that pretty easily. And so exactly. Yeah. But when you're like basically pointing a camera at a lava lamp, that's glooping around and doing stuff. And then you basically, take a quick image of that lava lamp and then go, okay, well, from the lava lamp that's cut up into, you know, 17 quadrants and then blah, blah, blah. And here's our number. And that's a random number. That's pretty random because, you you know, lava is, well, it's not really lava actually, but you know what I'm saying? Right. That, that wax stuff floating around in there is pretty goopy and who knows. So um, yeah, it's right. very interesting and, but, to kind of see that stuff. Yeah. And then, but then people would still complain like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I've gotten like three, uh, royal flushes on this one poker game so yeah they don't have a very good random number generator well what people you know fail to realize is like online you don't have to wait for someone to shuffle and deal out Mm -hmm. um you don't have to gather with all your friends so you can go and play you know a million hands compared to the same time that you spent you know doing maybe a thousand hands in real life yeah because of that you're gonna see it more often yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah it's just a bigger number set and you might have just lucked out and been and gotten three, you know, good hands because that's what you know you randomly got, and someone else has gotten zero. I mean, those. every every gamer has probably got some story about the time that the dice did something, whether mm-hmm. whether you know good or bad, but it makes a story that you like to tell and all that kind of stuff. I know I was playing 
40K with somebody years ago uh, at my friend Kevin's shop down on uh, uh, South Main Street um, and uh, right across the bridge. And um, basically, the opponent was going to win the game as long as he didn't roll three ones in this particular last strike on my whatever. Mm -hmm. And he rolled three ones. And so he, uh, you know, there was there was much rejoicing, specifically on my side, uh, mm-hmm. because then now he couldn't beat me. And then he uh, <laughs> grabbed those three dice and he walked out the front door and walked about a half block down to where the bridge was. And he threw those dice in the river. And so <laughs> so ever since then, like among like the people that were kind of hanging out at the shop at that day, you know, you would just talk about like. Yeah, well, if these dice don't perform, I'm going to throw them in the river, even though now the shop is nowhere near the river. But you still, you know, right. everyone's got that kind of story. So the question then becomes, is when can randomness be good? Now, in that particular situation, it was good for me and not so much for him. Um, mm-hmm. But it, competitive players specifically usually hate randomness. We talked about chess a little bit before, talking about competitive right. games. Obviously, there's basically no randomness there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only slight advantage from at least what they said in that, uh, you know, that uh, Queen's Gambit uh, TV show, which I'm sure was a documentary. Um, basically, they said that white has a slightly better chance because they get to go first, right? Something like right. that. Yeah, you're, right. you get you get to kind of choose versus react. So there's mm-hmm. a slight mm-hmm. advantage of white. Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. So, but then, so competitive. Then, but then sometimes the which color you get is picked by random. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Exactly. Yeah. But so the competitive players generally don't like randomness. Um, but story players, like I'm a lot more interested in playing a story as opposed to just like, well, we're going to play to see who wins. Uh, th- th- that makes story, you know, randomness mm-hmm. can definitely make story. Crazy things can happen, things that you might not expect and stuff like that. Right. Um, there's, it, it seems like there's a lot of things like that. You'll see stuff on the news, and you're like, "Yeah, if that was in a movie, you know, yeah, nobody, no would way it. would I, no way I would have believed that, you know." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, you hear about things like that. You know, truth is stranger than fiction. It's that exact mm-hmm. same thing. Um, you know, life is a big random number generator thing, and so every once in a while, just crazy stuff happens that's just right. you wouldn't expect to be possible. And the there, same thing happens. A lot of in, pe- in a lot games. of people apologizing, uh, at, you know, after going through COVID, you know, going. Oh, yeah. No, Jurassic Park. Yep. They could probably build it again and again and still have people go there to get eaten by dinosaurs because <laughs> right. they would be like, I'm not going to get eaten. That was the last time they fixed it. I'm sure they fixed it now. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, the joke going around about how, uh, you know, the, the term avoid it like the plague is obviously right. not meaning what we thought it meant because uh, <laughs> yeah. that's not a thing. Yeah. I'm going to avoid this like the plague. You mean you're going to go there all the time and just not wear a mask and just lick it possibly? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, th- that's kind of the situation is that the randomness in story, I mean, because... Sure. In, in a role-playing game, the story is definitely driven by the the GM, the DM, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and the players, and that's fine. But there's also times when crazy stuff happens because of the dice. I remember right. still to this day a game that we played in, uh, in college of um, the Middle Earth role-playing game from Iron Crown Enterprises. So you're playing like, you know, hobbits. Well, not hobbits. I was playing a Sindarin elf, which is a high elf within the world of like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. And uh, we were fighting, I don't know, like there was a bunch of orcs and like there was a guy who was kind of controlling the orcs who was some sort of magic user. And uh, the two big beat sticks, there was like a barbarian and a Rohan guy and they were fighting these orcs on both sides and I was in the middle and I had my bow and I was still relatively low um, 
level, all of us were still relatively low level, mm-hmm. but there was not much I could do against these orcs. And so I pulled out my bow and I shot at this kind of like big bad guy and I rolled high enough that, um, and you know, roll master is the name of this game that we were playing within middle earth actually. Uh, but anyway, roll master has a lot, a lot of, a lot of charts and I rolled high enough on the charts that basically it described that my arrow went into his eye and nice. poked out the back of his head and he died. And that ended the, uh, in, in encounter really quickly as it turned out. So, um, you know, the GM was a little like, all right, now I got to come up with something new for the next thing, you know, and that, that happens. Dice can be swingy like that. And can, sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, okay, they're, they're following their normal averages like you would expect, but every once in a while, weird stuff can happen, which changes right. the story, you know? Right. Which is why sometimes, you know, the DMs, that's the whole reason why DMs have the screen. And it, right. it, it, the reason why that was done is because, it allows them to fudge the dice every once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. Some some DMs say they they never do it. Uh, some DMs say they do it a lot. Um, I've done it occasionally. Um, usually because usually when I'm like, it's funny. It's usually like, okay, this is my third twenty in a row. They're not going to believe that I'm rolling twenties back here. <laughs> sure, yeah. It, you know, Very so there's frequently it's also like, done so yeah. that somebody doesn't die. Yeah, or or yeah. like you're like okay, this guy, you know, he's he is about to die. He is just not having good luck. I can tell the players not having any fun. Mm-hmm. Like, let's kind of swing his luck a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, and there, there there's actually a game. I'm not going to name it because it kind of ruins the game if you know what what it is. But there is a game that um, the game master guide says. You know, you can roll dice, pick whatever dice you want to roll for this game. It doesn't matter because nothing, you know, dice results don't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whatever you need, whenever you need to pick something random, you know, you roll a die just so that they think you're rolling. But pick the the, um, result that will either be the funniest or be the most epic. And (laughs) whatever you want, it depends on your mood. And like, sure. <laughs> like I had played the game multiple times, and before reading that, you know, being a DM, and I'd always heard, you know, don't read the DM, or you're gonna, it's going to ruin the game for you unless you're going to actually, you know, run the game. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't understand how that's a thing. And then I right. read that, I'm like, oh, now I understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, that's you know, every game, every type of the different, the four main genres within tabletop gaming, being your board gaming and your role playing games and your wargaming miniatures and your collectible card games, they've all got, in some degree, obviously, a degree of randomness. Which, in most situations, like I said, there are definitely players out there who dislike randomness, and it's generally the more competitive folks. There are certain people within board gaming that don't like randomness i know that there's a term called ameritrash which basically means that there's probably a lot of dice involved yeah yep euro is very strategy and maybe some random setup but then that once from there it's very much a strategy you know going forward um as little luck as possible is the better yeah and so that's a preference thing you know but Mm -hmm. for you know for rpgs all of the coolest things i've ever have ever done in an rpg have generally had something to do with the dice in some fashion you know what Mm -hmm. i mean it's like someone decides, all right, I'm going to do this. And the DM is like, that's never going to work. And then you roll a natural 20 and you're like, all right, well, you know, you know, yeah. the, the, 
<laughs> so there's that kind of thing, you know, and it happens in miniatures. You know, all I got to do to the only way I can win is if he throws three ones and then he throws three ones and then he throws his dice in the river. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's I think how randomness personally, in my opinion, and again, everybody's got their own opinion here, but I, I like randomness to some degree in games because I like not only the way that it can just tweak things and change the story, but it also makes me react differently. Um, mm-hmm. In, yeah, because uh, it gives it, you the unexpected, like the the underdog exactly. can win type thing. Like you're like, oh well, that guy, you know. In a Euro game, if you start falling behind far enough, most of the time, uh, you know, depending on the game, you're out of it. Basically, mm-hmm. you're, just, you're playing for second or you're playing not to be in last. Yeah. Um, but if it's very random, you know, there's a chance that you could still come back and win. Um, I mean, in in Warhammer Forty Thousand, the sci-fi version of Warhammer. Basically, the turn sequence is randomly determined at the beginning of the game. And then once it's been determined, it stays that way for the rest of the game. You go, then Mm -hmm. I go, then you go, then I go. And we just keep going back and forth, turn after turn after turn. You do all your stuff, turn one, then I do all my stuff, turn one. Then you do all your stuff, turn two, back and forth. But in Age of Sigmar, which is a newer version of the fantasy game, because Warhammer Fantasy had been around for a long time and worked in the Mm -hmm. same fashion. But then when about 2015, when they came out with... Age of Sigmar, they changed it up, where basically at the beginning of every single turn, you rolled off again to see who went first, which meant that at the end of turn one, maybe I went first or I went second. So I went. And then at the beginning of turn two, we roll off and I go first, which means I got to go two turns in a row. And there were a lot of people that did not like that in the competitive realm because they couldn't depend on it. Because you didn't know, maybe you were going to get to go twice, or maybe a person mm-hmm. was, or I wasn't going to get to go twice, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so there were plenty of people that didn't like it. And in the early days of Age of Sigmar, there was a lot of people who were just like, we don't play it that way. We play it the right way, where it's, we just alternate back and forth during the entire game. And I was always right. like, no, man, that's not cool. Um, but again, it's personal preference. As it turns out, basically every tournament s- series that I can think of, I believe right now for Age of Sigmar follows the normal rules. But there are still people who kind of grouse about it here and there. Um, so that's when I think, you know, again, like there's a definite situation there where randomness can be seen as bad by certain people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and also with, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, collectible card games as well. Like you, I mean, you can mitigate randomness to some degree, but there are sometimes you just don't get enough lands in your magic, the gathering, like first pull. Right. Or you get, you know what you, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or you get, or all you get lands. all lands. Right. Yeah, Exactly. And, and that can really mess with you, in like, especially in a tournament sense. You know, I, I can totally understand that. If you're playing just for fun, and I mean, I know you can do a mulligan, right? You can, can't you do a mulligan? I, mean, I suppose it depends yeah. on the tournament, maybe. Yeah, there's, there's a, I forget what the penalty, there's a penalty to it, too. Like, I think then you can only mm-hmm. draw six, six cards your next time or, yeah. or something like that. Like, you have to draw less, if I remember right. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's, so, you know, but, you know, and that's, you know, there's strategies of when do you do that, when you do not, and, you know, because mm-hmm. you can get a bad pull, but is it bad enough to do it or not, you know? You know, if you're just playing with your friends or whatever, if you get just a bad pull, then you're going to get stomped real quick because you just can't get, and it's fine, you'll just start playing another game and it's great. But if you're playing in a tournament, then that's a, it's a, you know, there's stakes that are involved or whatever and that, I understand right. that. So in that situation, like, you know, randomness can be bad, but there's no way... Well, I was going to say there's not really any kind of way to fight against that in a game like that. Um, th- well, in a game like that, no. 
But in other games, like we talk quite frequently about Keyforge, you and I, mm-hmm. uh, from Fantasy Flight, the way that they got around that is that there's no lands. There's like no, there's no like resource card that you have to have in your right. deck. If you want to activate I mean, you a could still card, you just activate kind of messed up in it. Uh, you know, you can have still bad starting hands, but yeah. Oh, it's sure. Less dramatic, but. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, you know, you're not sitting there with a bunch of cool cards that you would love to play if only you had mana for them. It's just a situation of like you get your cards and you can play them. And so I think it's an, I think personally, it's a slightly more interesting system. I like it. It's also, you know, 36 cards, I think is the entire deck. So it's also a lot less to have to mess around with. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's article after article out there in the uh, Magic the Gathering sphere about, or sphere about like how many land cards you should have in your deck, you know? And it's like, well, I think 43 is the right number. People are like, no, you should have 42. And it's like, it's like discussion time. You know what I mean? Like, it's really interesting. Um, and so again, it's, it's, you're trying to mitigate against the randomness, which I can understand that, right. but it is a real bummer when you're at a tournament and everything just doesn't work out. So. Yeah. Right. You can have the best strategy in the world and it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that can be the same. also in wargaming. I mean, like if you're just trying to have a fun game and you're having a story, there are times when just your side just can't catch a break. And it's generally because of the dice. There are times like I played a game against uh, Matt from Mini Wargaming when I was visiting them in Canada mm-hmm. back in 2019. And it's you can yep. see it on YouTube. It's a bat rep that we did. I was playing. Uh, what was I playing? He was. Mm, I think he was playing Death Guard and I think I was playing my my Black Templar. And I just was rolling so hot and he was rolling so poorly. Like it's not so bad when one person's rolling hot and the other person's rolling fine or mm-hmm. when one person's rolling fine and the other person's rolling kind of eh. But when one person just cannot <laughs> roll low and the other person can't roll anything good, it really compounds and it makes it a bit of a bummer. We, I mean, we still had a, f- a fun time because again, we weren't playing for like, you know, for anything kind of tournament wise, but there are those times when just both stars align in a bad way for somebody you yeah. know, or a really good yeah. way for somebody else, you know? Right. When I, I played against, uh, when I played against so I John Caspian. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You know, when I played against John Caspian that time, also on battle report on my channel, I was playing Death Guard and I never once there's when you are about to die, there's this thing called disgustingly resilient and you can roll a D six and on a five or a six, you don't die. I didn't miss one of those the entire game. He never killed a single one of my people because I kept <laughs> making that five or six every single time to the point where it right. became a joke. And that's fun because we were having a good time. But again, in a tournament that can be it can get annoying. Yeah. Well, and I, I remember doing a, uh, Matt Sears, uh, playing wreckage. He was giving me a demo mm-hmm. at a Depticon. Yep. Um, because, and it was, it was so fun, uh, funny, we were playing and, or it might've been a TMX. It was one of the two. And yeah. it was like the first time I've, I finally had like a real demo of the game. And I would say it was like turn two or something. Like I got all my guys in like two different spots and he's like, well, I can't really hit you. I'd have to roll, you know, this, this, and this to do, to hit you. Mm-hmm. And he goes, but I'll roll it. He rolls it. And he got that. And he's like, okay, well, I hit the guy. But then, like, he then, like, on the chart, basically what ended up happening was after, like, a bunch of rolls, like, subsequent, wow, I can't say that word. Uh, (laughs) Subsequent. Yes, the rolls and charts and everything else, he killed my entire thing on that one turn. 
mm-hmm. because like the warthog that was carrying the explosives was within like was just on the line of like the re- max radius that he rolled to, uh, for the grenade that he happened mm-hmm. to hit that blew up, and so then it catastrophically blew up the warthog, who then blew up everybody else, and basically just wiped me all out on the <laughs> on a on a shot that he he was like, I'll never make this shot. Right, right. <laughs> and he just kind of stared there like. I'm sorry. I'm like, no, that was actually epic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like that's, that's the movie. If this was a story, if this was a movie, that would be the part where you'd be just like, no way. And it would just be super cool, you know, but that's, yeah. If everything, if everything worked out completely normally, then you'd be like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, it would have been like, I would never have told a story about me playing a wreckage demo, but now, now that's one of my epic, like fun times of, you know, this happened. So. Yeah, no, it is, and that's the thing, you know. I mean, there's, like I said, if you're if you're trying to play competitively, randomness can definitely be a bummer. I personally think that if you're if you're pl- if you're playing to have fun, I I really enjoy it, and, and not everybody necessarily does. But I think that there's a lot of people out there. Like I've got some friends who are like, oh, I love to play for fun. I'm not competitive, and I'm like, no. That's not true. I've played against you. I know that you like to play competitively, and I can tell. <laughs> you know, it's and it, it's fine. It's fine. I understand that when I play against you, but um, but it's a different story. And they're like, no, 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 really. I'm like, mm, well, but you know, the the, the big the big thing is is if you're concerned about randomness, in most games you've got the ability to try to mitigate it. You know, there are times when there's nothing you can do. You just can't win because the dice are completely against you, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But very frequently. Like the reason that in, in in the competitive scene, even competitive scenes that have randomness involved, uh, you know, competitive um, ma- uh, magic, competitive uh, Warhammer, that kind of stuff. There are people who rise to the top at tournaments and it's because mm-hmm. when they do get lucky, they are prepared for it and they have a strategy or if they don't right. get lucky, they have a strategy to mitigate that to some degree. You know, right? It's and, like they and talk that about just like comes poker. from a strategy. Yeah, the World exactly. Series of Poker for so many years were the same guys winning it, and mm-hmm. and the reason why is because yeah, they they maximize their their good fortune and they minimize their bad fortune and knew exactly when, when which was happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, again, for competitive play, I can see being a bummed about it, but I think for regular fun, you know, for just having a good time, it's it's a. I think the randomness can can be cool for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't you have a, do you have a quote about that? Oh, I do have a quote that I came up with. Yeah. Is that randomness might simulate life, but it might not stimulate fun. Might simulate cool. life, but might not stimulate fun. I think that's true. Right. I think that definitely is true. Absolutely. Well, cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Game 4 Podcast. If you've got questions or comments and you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment below. If you're listening via your favorite podcast player or just aren't into the whole YouTube comment section thing, then you can feel free to reach out to us via email at podcast at imgame4.com. You can also keep up to date with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And check out our website at www.imgame4.com. That is www.iamgameforcom Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>